Except for kindergarten through third grade, you are dismissed for junior church. If you are here and you have your Bible, and I hope you do, or some device with a Bible on, I encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If you haven't been here for a while or you're new, uh, we have been going through the book of Exodus. We started a long time ago, then we took a break, and we're at the looking at the Ten Commandments. Just a word up front. We do not live under the law. We are not under the Ten Commandments. But the principles of the Ten Commandments were in practice long before Mount Sinai, and those principles continue on today. In fact is, as I always say, The Ten Commandments were the lowest bottom line. What we have in the New Testament is a standard that is way, way higher than anything that was in the law and in the Ten Commandments. And so, as we look at this, we will look at the commandment itself, and then we will look at how God in the New Testament takes it, tweaks it, uh, not improves it, but spells it out in a way that's higher than anything in the Old Testament. Now, very rarely, and I'm not sure if I've ever done this before, but I am going to start this sermon by reading, Dear Abby, you go, what the world, have you lost your mind? Well, every now and then, even people from the world get something right. We're talking about honoring mother and father, and I thought this was very appropriate to start with. So bear with me for a moment. Dear Abby, please help me. I'm a mature 20-year-old college girl, and my problem is my parents. They think that just because they're paying for my education and letting me live at home rent-free, they can run my life. I'm not a child anymore, and if I want to stay out all night or spend a weekend with my boyfriend, it's none of their business. Last year, they didn't like the hours I kept, so they told me to move out. But I couldn't make it financially on my own, so I asked them to let me move back home. Now that I'm back, they're hassling me again about the hours I keep. Parents owe their children an education and a place to live. I didn't ask to be born. Now they refuse to take care of me. They also said that if I fall behind in my car payments again, they will let me lose the car and I can take the bus. Abby, my parents can well afford to make my car payments. They are far from poor. I have a part-time job and buy all my own clothes, which takes every dime I make. My boyfriend is ready to break up with me because I can't spend the night or the weekend with him. Please help me. My parents are ruining my life. Signed, Disgusted. Dear Disgusted, where is it written that parents owe their children a college education and free room and board? A person of any age who lives at home must live according to the house rules. Furthermore, I would question the motives of a boyfriend who would break up with me if I couldn't spend the night or the weekend with him. Count your blessings, my dear. Besides material things, your parents obviously care for you. A lot of children wish they had it so good. I got to tell you, Abby got that one right. We're looking at honoring your mother and father this morning. And this command is usually thought of as raising little kids, you know, from the time they're small to the time they move out, 20 years old or whatever. Uh, And uh, that does include that. 
But this commandment is not primarily about little children or young people. It's about all people. If you're here today, you have parents. Now, maybe they've passed on. That that may be true. But honor has to do with not a time frame, but all of your life. We have a responsibility to honor, to respect, to show deference to our parents. That never ends. It starts when they're young. No child ever came into this world saying, I want to honor my parents. You need to teach them those things. You need to teach them respect. And as you go through this sermon, you're going to understand that I believe God gave us this commandment as a bottom line, the seed for all the rest of life. I look at this and say, one of the problems we have in society today and in the church today, anywhere you look, is that this whole concept of honor has been diminished, kind of washed out. And so when you see uh, someone getting arrested by the police and all they do is fight with the police or run with the police or argue with the police and then they get themselves in big trouble, oh, it's the police's fault. No, they have no honor. They have no respect. And so they do some really horrible things that gets them in horrible trouble and people get fired from their jobs because they don't have respect for their employer. All of these things start at at a kernel. It starts in the family and radiates out from the family. We're going to look at it from that perspective this morning. In fact, is the Bible actually gives us that uh, scenario uh, before us. And so each generation has the responsibility to honor the generations before them. If we treat others in the home badly, it is going to be represented in every part of society, and uh, it makes society a miserable place to live. And the breakdown of the family is a big part of this whole idea here. It is, indeed, the foundation for the rest of society. Now, the words that are used in the Bible for honor in the Old Testament, and then when quoted in the New Testament are these two words. They literally mean, the first one from Hebrew, is, means to be heavy or weighty. In other words, I give more weight to this person because I know them and their reputation's good. I, I, I respect their opinion. I distinguish them from others who I don't know or have been kind of shady in the past. That's the Old Testament. The New Testament takes that same concept and says, it's about value. I value this person's opinion, or I value this person's abilities, or whatever else it is. I honor them. I respect what they are. If you look it up and go a little further, you would find the base word that this is taken from means to treat as precious. My wife has a lamp. It's just a little lamp. It's only about this high. She bought it at an estate auction, and it belonged to a, like a great, great aunt of hers, or maybe there's more greats in there than I know. But anyway, she paid a good amount of money for it, and she used to put it right in front of the sink, and there's a, a window between that and the living room. And our kids were warned, and so was the husband warned, that you stay away from the lamp. It is precious. 
Could you buy another one? Maybe. But you couldn't buy that one because that particular lamp belonged to somebody in the family. It's irreplaceable. She got her point across because the husband stayed away from it. And when friends would come over and my kids would say, whatever you do, stay away from the lamp. (laughs) So they they got the idea that um, you don't mess with the lamp. It's precious. Well, when you treat someone with honor, you treat them with value that they are precious to you. That's the whole concept here. So when it says honor your parents, it means literally treat them as valuable, as precious. And you're going to see that concept used multiple different ways as we go through the sermon this morning. So without further ado, let's dig into what it says. And you know the Ten Commandments are given two places. Exodus chapter 20, where we are right now, and then also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to look at both of those because Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the one that's quoted in Ephesians chapter 6, and it also adds something to this commandment. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says this, Honor your father and mother. The New Testament takes that and says, obey your parents. In Exodus, I mean Ephesians chapter 6. It goes one step further. Now, we're not going to talk about that this morning. That's a different subject that, that we're not going to talk about. But it takes this concept, this principle, and says it is honoring, uh, to be honoring at all times, But when you're under their authority, like this young lady we were talking about, uh, you need to obey. And dear Abby got that one right. She said, you live under their roof? (laughs) You got some house rules you better live by. It goes from there and says that if you honor your parents, there's something that goes with it. Ephesians chapter 6 says it's the first commandment with a promise. Something good will come out of this if you keep this commandment. The commandment is honor your mother and father. What is the first part of that promise? That your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That is a quantity of life. You have a long life. The second one is going to be quality of life. So you have a long good life is what it comes down to. And under the law, and we don't live under the law, but under the law, if you did not honor your parents, you could have a very short life. In fact, is we know that, and we'll look at that in a few moments. But he said, if you honor your parents, you're going to have a long life. And you will be living it out to the fullest. Deuteronomy goes one step further and says, and that it may go well with you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You will be a better person if you learn to honor, respect, give deference to those in authority over you, starting with your parents. It will make you a better person, and you will have better relationships. You will have better opportunities. Why? Because we all know when we do an interview or we meet someone, we find out what their attitude is. And your attitude will open a whole lot of doors that nothing else will. And so it is a commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother, long and good life. 
Now, if you don't, what happens? Well, there's a severe penalty under the law. Exodus chapter 21, the very next chapter, says, He who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. There are some things, and and this is my old nature, so understand what I'm talking about. But when I hear a person, a young person, telling their parents in a very nasty tone of voice, I hate you. I wish you weren't my parent. You know, and doing those kinds of things, I just want to walk over, grab that kid by the shoulder, and just shake them until some sense goes in. Now, I have never done that. They're not my children. But I'd sure like to, and I'll bet you're not too far from me either. The second one says, he who strikes his mother or father shall surely be put to death. I see parents who allow their kids to hit them. I'm talking little kids to start with, but you know what? I also know that those kids, because I counsel some of them and I counsel the parents, is they grow up and they never stop doing that. If they don't like what mom and dad says, they get physical. You know what? Totally unacceptable behavior. It's completely the opposite of honoring to parents. But it goes even further than that because Deuteronomy chapter 21 has a story there. It says that if you have any man has a stubborn and rebellious son, and a rebellious, rebellious, as you know, does not mean they're ignorant. It simply means they know the truth but don't do it. And stubborn, well, we, we all know what stubborn is because most of us got a streak of that in us. It says, and the, they bring him out and they, they can't do it. He won't listen to us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. So this is not some little tiny kid. This is at least a teenager, maybe more. It says, then you bring it out. And when the evidence is known for sure, it says, then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you talk about quantity of life. Yeah. Under the law, um, it brought your life to a quick end. I'll put my hand up. Some of us, if we lived under the law, we wouldn't be here this morning because our life would have been a little shorter than it should be. God takes it seriously. The whole concept of honor, the whole concept of honoring the parents is, a one, is one that God takes very seriously. The Old Testament also emphasizes the idea, and this all goes from this, the idea that we honor those who are older than we are. I am thoroughly convinced that the next generation, they're all smarter than I am. But I do have something they don't have. I have experience. I thought my parents were the dumbest people who ever lived until I was about 22 years old. And I remember, uh, we, we went to Lebanon Valley Bible Church back then, my wife and I did, and the sermon wasn't about parents or anything like that. But I'm sitting there, for some reason, my parents um, visited the church. They didn't go there, but they were visiting. And after it was over, the first thing, by the time I was done, I, didn't, I don't know what the sermon was about, but I knew I had to go back and talk to my parents and say, listen, I am really sorry. I apologize for being a miserable kid. And they're like all parents. They're like, oh, no, no, you were fine. And I'm going, yeah, that's because you don't know all the stuff I did or the stuff I tried to get away with. You don't know that. But the point is, 
We need to look ahead and honor our parents and those that are older. Why? Because they have been through it. They know more than you. They may not be smarter, but they have experience. And they can tell you what happens when you do this and why it happens. They can tell you that. It says the glory of young men is their strength and the honor of old men is their gray hair. They have a right to be respected and deference given to them. One of the things I see in this world, and it's been, I grew up in this, this age, anybody over 30 isn't to be trusted. What a bunch of baloney. You know, it's just not true. But that's what the late 60s, early 70s was. Completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. Above everything else, God is to be honored. Fact is, he says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Think about this. Do children learn to honor God first or to honor parents first? I think I know the answer to that. They learn to honor their parents first. And how do we know how to honor God? We got a pretty good idea of what that's like when we learn to honor our parents. Little children can learn to honor their parents. And then they see how that works. And then when they are old enough and they can trust Christ and they can understand the Word of God, they realize what honor is and what it looks like in a very practical way. We have a whole generation, statistically, our next generation, folks, and it's our fault, um, a lot of them just simply drop out of church. As soon as they don't have to go, it's the end, and they're gone. I think part of it is because we never taught them what honor is. They didn't learn what honor is, and they no longer have respect for God. And they're like, I can do my own thing. I can do it my own way. I don't believe, I believe that that's a part of the flaw that we have done uh, in my generation. Proverbs chapter 3, and if you haven't read that lately, I would encourage you to read at least the first part of Proverbs chapter 3, some really good things there that would be very practical. But one of those things is honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. In other words, honor and respecting God means putting Him first in every part of your life. With every resource that you have, you put Him first. The Old Testament also instructs the people to respect or honor their spiritual leaders. It says in Lamentations 4.16, the presence of the Lord has scattered them. In other words, God scattered the people. Why did he do it? Because they did not honor the priests. They did not favor the elders. Now, we know God scattered them for another reason also, and that's idolatry. The two aren't apart from each other. They didn't listen to the priests, and they went off and served idols. God said, I'm I'm had it with you. I'm going to scatter you. You're going into captivity. In this case, he says, 
what didn't they do? They didn't honor, they didn't treat with respect and value the priest that he put over them. What is a priest? A priest is one who speaks directly from God to the people. Doesn't need a Bible. The Bible wasn't even written in. He just simply said to the priest, here's what I want you to tell the people, and they did that. They weren't preachers, but they were indeed the teachers and the ones that showed them what God wanted them to know. And then he goes on to say, and they didn't favor, which would be a synonym for the word honor, the elders. The elders were not the priests. They were simply the older, more mature people in their society. He says, they didn't show favor to them. They didn't give deference to them either. And as a result, they lost their way and God scattered them uh, into other countries. The Old Testament directs people to honor those in authority over them. And if you look at this verse, it's the last one from the Old Testament I'm going to use, you'll notice there are three tiers to that. And that's why in my sermon, as I was putting this together, I'm like, no, honor starts someplace and then goes from there. A son honors his father. A servant, his master. Then if I am a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where is my respect? Again, another synonym for honor, says the Lord of hosts. God, I believe, started it, the kernel, the seed, and he expects it to grow from there. The New Testament is going to take this same concept and expand on it and even raise it to a higher level. Because Jesus makes it clear that honor is not just something you do on the outside or a bunch of words that you say. He deals with the heart. He deals with the attitude. He said in Matthew chapter 15, you hypocrites. Hypocrite is one who speaks behind a mask. You're not sure what what's going on. It's uh, this or that, and you just don't know what's going on. He says, this people honors me with their lips. They say the right thing. They might even do the right thing. But their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. He makes it clear that honor is just not something that's external, verbally or by way of deeds. He said it has to do with what comes from the inside. The New Testament is very clear that God judges the motives and intents of the heart. Sometimes, and I do this, it's probably a dumb thing that I do, but I'll say they have a wrong altitude, not a wrong attitude. It's just another way of saying that. Because guess what? Their attitude doesn't have the altitude that it needs. It needs to be a lot higher. And a lot of people just don't have an attitude from the heart that's right. He said, if you're going to honor and in this case, you're talking about God. If you're going to honor someone, it's more than just the external. It comes from the inside. It has to be from the heart. It's the motive. It's the attitude. It's everything about you giving that honor, that respect, that deference to God. Notice what he said. The opposite is, you do this in vain. God's not just looking for the window dressing. He's looking for the heart. Jesus takes that whole concept of honor and just raises it quite high.
Jesus also taught that it, keeping these commandments, including honor your father and mother, uh, are not enough for salvation. Now, the law and keeping the law never was and never is and never can be the means of salvation. But this rich young ruler, and you'll understand, uh, you probably know the passage, he comes and what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And then he goes on, and I always say, don't hurt your arm patting yourself on the back. But he lists all the commandments, except for one he definitely did not, thou shalt not covet. He did not list that one. And um, Jesus made it clear, yeah, those are the commandments. In fact, as Jesus adds, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, uh, that shouldn't surprise us that he kind of made that the, tenth, or the 11th commandment. But uh, because earlier they had asked him, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he said, you should love the Lord thy God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, this fulfills the law. In other words, when you look at that one answer with two parts, you're honoring God and you are honoring people. You're doing that. This guy was rich. He had lots of land. Jesus said, okay, I'm glad you kept all those commandments. Man, that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. But go and sell everything you have. This guy had a lot of land, according to that, a lot of property. He walked away. We don't know from Scripture. I hope that he went home, thought about it, and changed his attitude. But he was dependent on something else. He was trying to depend on himself and what he had instead of trusting Jesus. And Jesus said, you need to put me first. You need to have your sights much higher. You need to trust me. The commandments simply tell us what we can't do. There's no power in the commandments to keep them. Only pow- the only power we have is the power made available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the only power we have. When we trust Him, He gives us the ability to go above and beyond any command to live even with the right attitude. This young man was covetous. He had a God. He already had a God. It was covetousness. We need to go above that. Jesus also added that if we don't practically help our parents, we are dishonoring them. You know the story. I think you do. God said you're to honor your mother and father, and he who speaks evil of his mother and father is to be put to death. We saw that from the Old Testament. And they went on to say, you know what? We have a lot of resources. We have resources, but we have given them to God. And so we can't help our parents. Think of how wrong that is. Every one of us came into this world screaming and kicking and totally selfish. And we had parents who took care of us when we couldn't do a thing for ourselves. And they raised us up. And as we got older, they gave us more responsibility in all the things that we do when we raise children. But we came into this world completely dependent on them. But there also becomes a time when our parents are now dependent on us. Roles totally flipped. 
Jesus said, if you don't do what you need to do to help your parents as they get older in particular, you're not honoring them. I look back and, and uh, in, in my life, uh, I'm the oldest of seven kids, and uh, there were my, I'm the oldest, and then there were two brothers, and then there were four sisters. Sisters are just a royal pain in the neck. That's what we thought when we were kids. We didn't really do much with them. We harassed them, but that we did do. We, we were pretty good at that. But my brothers and I, we worked together. Well, as my parents got older, they moved off the farm, and they had a house, and they weren't able to keep up with it. And one of my sisters, and sisters are much better at this than guys are, uh, said, hey, we need to get together, and we need to clean up around mom and dad's house. So uh, we all got together, except my sister that's the missionary, um, Juanita. Uh, we all got together one Saturday morning. Actually, it was a whole Saturday. And uh, my brother that's on the farm yet. He brought his big farm tractor and his skid loader, and I brought mine. And we just got in there, and we took down big trees. I mean, we just, we, we just, we went in there. We, we didn't just cut them off. We cut them off, dug them out. We both broke our skid loaders, banging those trees out of the ground. We covered up. We landscaped. We took the bushes. We trimmed the bushes. Uh, we did all kinds of stuff. And you know what? Did we have to do that? The answer is no. But my parents couldn't do it anymore. We now have the responsibility to help them to use what we have for their benefit. That is honoring. If we don't do that, that's dishonoring. When my father-in-law was older and, and uh, he was, before he went to the nursing home, my wife Myself and my sister-in-law, we would take him to his doctor's appointments because he couldn't really drive anymore. And then after he was in the nursing home, every Saturday night when I was in the office finishing up my sermon, my wife would go down to Palmyra to the Lebanon Valley Brethren home and visit with her dad and the other old guys that were there. They all seemed to enjoy her company. You know what? Those are the things that are honoring not just a bunch of words, but it's a right attitude. And it is actually doing for them what they cannot do for themselves. The flip side of they did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He said, if you say, well, you know what? I'm so spiritual and I gave all my resources to God so I can't help my parents. You're dishonoring your parents. That's exactly what that scripture says. The New Testament takes the whole concept of honor and even goes beyond that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, I kind of call that the mother-in-law chapter because it tells you how to deal with other people. And I've used this one many times with mother-in-law issues. That's why I call it that. But it says, devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. We need to look at other people as more valuable than ourselves. Think about that. Our tendency is selfish, self-centered. This said, you want to get along with people? Devote yourself to brotherly love. Give preference to other people in honor. Treat them as precious. Treat them as valuable. 
The most valuable possessions you have are other people. Fact is, he goes and talks directly to families. He says, you need to honor widows who are widows indeed. He goes on, and you know the verse. It says, if you don't take care of those that are in your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. You're a lousy testimony. He said, if you're going to claim Christ, you need to take care of your own. You need to honor them. Provide for them in whatever way is needed. The New Testament teaches that we need to honor those who are in authority, all kinds of authority. For example, Romans chapter 13, you all know that passage. That's the one that makes it very clear God has given us human government, and it's there for a purpose. And then he sums it up with this in verse 7, render to all what is due. In other words, what, what you owe them. Tax to whom tax is due. My wife, I've seen her at least four or five nights already getting our taxes ready, and she just informed me this morning she's still not done. Thankfully, i got a wife that does that. I don't know what I would do if I had to do it. But anyway, we need to pay our taxes. Custom to whom custom, it's just a different kind of tax. Fear to whom fear, that's reverence to who we need to revere. And then he says, honor to whom honor. Who are we honoring in that context? It's those in the governing authority over us. I want to make something clear. Honor does not mean I agree with them. It's not what it means. It means I treat them with the value they deserve. Think about this. No government, you got chaos, anarchy. Even the worst government is better than none. Peter and I spent a lot of time talking about this, and there are people that still really don't like this because, well, I don't like what the government's doing. By the way, I don't like what the government does either in a lot of ways. But I'm glad it's there. And you know what? I need to honor that. Fact is, he goes further and and tells us in 1 Peter, it says, honor all people. You're not God's gift to this world. Others have value. Make sure that you get that across in your life. Love the brotherhood. That's the believers. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear God. Reverence God. Stand in awe of God. Honor the king or the governing authority. Yeah, I don't always agree with other Christians. Sometimes, sorry, but I don't always like to agree with God. But guess what? I have a responsibility before God to honor Him, all the people around me, including those in government. You don't always really like your neighbor and what they do, but honor all people? That's exactly right. That's exactly what the Scripture says. This is not easy. And it's something that has to be taught. You learn young, and then it applies to every part of life. Did you notice? I haven't found anything that this doesn't apply to. I hate this next one because it almost looks like if a pastor preaches on this, then it looks like you're patting yourself on the back and say, hey, look at me. Uh, That's not what I'm doing. It's just part of the whole thing. Remember in the Old Testament, it says they needed to honor their leaders. 
Here in the New Testament, it says the same thing, except it says something different than any of the rest of them. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. You go, what is double honor? How in the world do you double honor someone? The context makes that very clear. He says, you don't have a work animal and let it starve to death. No, you don't muzzle, you don't make it that an oxen can't eat while you're using the oxen to produce whatever you're using the oxen for. And you don't expect somebody to work for you and you don't pay them wages. Double honor is simply this. It's the respect that goes to the position. That's true. But it also means that you make it possible for them to live. You give them a paycheck. Honor comes in all kinds of ways. But in this case, it says, no, those that are in your, your leaders, in fact, is in Hebrews, it says that they would do this without grief. In the area of employment. Now, you're going to see words like slave here and, and those kinds of things. But the point is, it says that all who are under the yoke as slaves, and some of you feel like that way with your boss or the company you work for, um, but we're not there, are to regard their masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of our God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Think about this. Your attitude and the way you treat your employer is part of your testimony, a huge part of your testimony. You want to have an impact for Christ? One part of that, there's a whole lot to this, but one part of that is that you give deference to the person that is your, your boss. My wife and I on occasions go, uh, well, most Friday nights we'll go someplace to eat. That's our, our big expenditure of the week. And uh, sometimes we go to Friendly, and some of you have actually worked at Friendly's, and uh, we got to know some of the waitresses there also. Uh, and I'm not talking about anybody that comes to this church, because that is not what I'm talking about. But they've told us, they said, you would not believe, because I mentioned to one of the waitresses, I said, man, it's, it's 5 o'clock and these people were supposed to be here. It's 20 after 5 and they're just wandering in now. And they said, oh, if you think that's bad, they said, if they don't like what the manager says, they just curse them out. And I'm going, what? <laughs> they still have a job? You know what? Here's what it says. That when you have a job and you're working for someone, you treat them as valuable. You respect them. And if you're a Christian and you don't do that, you have a bad, bad testimony. Fact is, he goes on to say, those that have believers as their masters should not be disrespectful to them because they're your brothers. But you must serve them even more. Can you imagine if we all worked this way? If we all lived this way? What a difference this world would be? Somebody got to start it. I'm challenging you that we need to live this way. And so whether it's employment, marriage. It says marriage is to be held in honor above all. Anyone else in that marriage, any third or fourth person in that marriage, not a good thing. That's fornication, adultery, those kinds of things, not good. 
marriage is to be respected and tr- treated as valuable. And then for us um, less insensitive husbands, and especially on Valentine's Day, it says, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Remember I said this is the commandment with the promise? <laughs> Here's one that says, you know what? If you don't treat your wife as precious or valuable, your prayers are going to bounce off the roof. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. That's a pretty negative. It's not going to be a marriage I want to be a part of, but it's going to wreck your relationship with God also. One last thing. The Old Testament doesn't put any limits. But Jesus taught something that people look at and go, I don't understand this. It says in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. There are limits. We saw one of those where if we don't use our resources to help our parents, uh, we're dishonoring to them. But he does make something clear here. There is a hierarchy in the honoring. I know the word honor is not used here, uh, so I'm aware of that. But the point is that comparatively speaking, we need to put God first in our lives. We need to honor Him above and beyond. And if we want to do the next generation a favor, we need to teach them what honor and respect and value and preciousness looks like. We need to be an example to them. We need to teach it to them. We need to point it out when others are not doing that. Not a very popular thing to do. But every now and then we need to point out, it's like, you know what? Your altitude stinks. <laughs> you better get your attitude, your motives, your, your, your whole mindset above and beyond. Your heart's wrong. We need to see this whole idea of honor as something that is absolutely essential, not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with others. And where does it start? Honor your father and your mother. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, we look at the bottom line. We look at a family. We look at children and parents. But Lord, we also know that that's the beginning of the whole concept of honor. The whole idea that we can indeed live in society in an honorable way. Because we treat others as more valuable than ourselves. We put others ahead of ourselves. And we put that self-centered, selfish view that we have aside. Lord, I pray that if this has been an encouragement to someone, praise the Lord. If it's been a challenge, I pray they take that challenge and they would recognize what they need to change. Lord, you're a great God and you will take this and use it to your glory and honor in ways that I can never even do from the pulpit or even in counseling. Lord, I pray that you would do your intended work as a result of looking at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.
go with God. 